Hello everyone, my name is Marcel and, and today we're going to continue to look at this quarterly study which is present truth in the book of Deuteronomy. And the lesson number six is titled For What Nation Is There So Great? So let's let's bow our heads wherever you are to, to start the lesson with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity you give us to open your word. Father, I just pray that you can speak to our hearts and that we can apply whatever lesson you are trying to teach us this morning. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, like this is a beautiful lesson. And that kind of like, it's like a, a recap of a little bit of history. You know, like each culture has its, its different way of introducing or inaugurate their new leader. Right? For example, if you look at America, when the president is going to come into power or when he is going to, to exercise his, his power, they bring a Bible and there's a vow. Like the president has to place the hand on the, on the Bible and, 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 and vow certain things. And it's the same or similar in, in Brazil, in any other culture. But the interesting thing is like in the biblical times, the way the king was enthroned or the way the king was going to, to take power, they were going to bring to him the scroll of the book of Deuteronomy and he was going to read it and would be qualified him to, to take power. But it's very interesting, you know, like um, when you go to the book of Revelation chapter 5, there's a big scene in heaven and John, John is crying because he sees the scroll, but no one is worthy to, to read it. No one is worthy to open the scroll. So he cries because what it means is that the universe has no king. But then we have the beautiful picture that John sees the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we know that that is Jesus Christ. He takes the scroll, opens it meaning that the universe is no left without a king, that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. So there is a lot of meaning behind the book of Deuteronomy, and it ties into the culture of the Jewish nation, into the, into the culture of the Israelites, and, and in the Bible as well. So there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things we can learn from the book of Deuteronomy. And the lesson revolves around chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. And in fact, let's read together, if you would, um, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8, because that's where we find the, um, the memory text. And it says, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 8, it says, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in, in all this law which I set before you this day? The purpose of the message or, or the sermon of, of this chapter, it not just to remind the people of, of their history, it goes beyond this. Because it emphasizes the power, the grace, the mercy of God. 
and it emphasizes that God never gives up, gives up on humans. Despite their weaknesses, despite their failures, and despite of many times that he has to discipline them, this is the God that never gives up. And the Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves. So if God loves us, we can expect discipline. Sometime when we're going um, or wandering away. And you, you can expect the, the same of, of good parents. Because if parents love their children, they don't let them do whatever they want. So now, turn, turn with me to, to the same book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. But we're going to read now verse 1. And I want you to, to pay close attention into the wording. Because we are going to go deep into the wording, because that's something very interesting. So, verse 1 says this. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and, go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your Father is giving you. What is interesting is that the word that starts off the chapter is the word now. And this word is a transitional word. It indicates continuity. The verse, the first or the first three chapters of the book is really, we can say, like, like a recap of what already happened to the people and Moses gets into the application now of what already happened and he starts with with the word now interesting thing is that in scripture or the bible frequently reminds us of the past and this is the way it becomes our teacher now we can learn from what happened to other people, we can learn lessons, you know, from from the things that uh, other people had experienced, and that's a very uh, very smart way to learn, to learn from the mistakes of others, and obviously we can learn from the things that happened to us. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that this way is not smart, because there are things that happen that are out of our control. But we still can, can use that experience and apply it and learn, and learn from that experience. But the Bible says that the fool, they don't learn either way. They, they don't learn from others and they don't learn from their own mistakes. And the point here is that we have to learn. Now, the first verb that... Um, that is is following the word now in verse um, in verse one is the word shema. This that's the 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 Hebrew word shema, which means normally to hear or to to listen. And the most when when we look at uh, into the Bible into the Hebrew like the 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 most um, important prayer so to speak by the Israelites was the, the Shema prayer. And we know this when it says, Hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that is the word that is used there. Listen, Shema, hear. But to hear in biblical terms, it doesn't just mean listen with or listening with your ears. But it, it carries something practical in its meaning. In, in, in the terms of obeying, to like in terms of obeying, pay attention to, to listen. And you know that the book of Revelation gives us an example. Because while the book of Revelation was, was written in Greek, it does reflect the Hebrew mindset of John. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. The question is like, what is John saying here? Blessed is whoever just look and hear these letters? Is that what John is trying to, to get into? No, right? It's like, blessed are those who listen and put into practice. So to, to read and to hear reflect one reality, which is obey. You know, sometimes in our Christian experience, we may even know what things are right. We may even know what's true. We may even like hear, but we don't listen. We don't apply it. And it's dangerous that when we know something, but we don't do it. You know, that is, um, that is the, the, the famous phrase that sometimes we use or, or we listen like, God is saying, but I think. Have, ha, has like that ever happened to you? Like the Bible is saying this, but I think this is the way. It is dangerous. That is dangerous territory. You know, like is when we are convinced of the gospel but not very much converted to it. That's what Moses is calling the, the attention of the Israelites to hear in chapter 4. Then the lesson continues and presents this reality that God through Moses is trying to communicate. He is giving his best to communicate, to tell the children of Israel that they can not add nor to take away from the, from the words which God gave them. And we can see that, we can see that in, in verse chapter in verse four. Um, sorry, in, in, in chapter four, verse two, in the book of Deuteronomy. And, and that verse says this: "You shall not add to the word which I commanded you, nor take from it." that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you. Here is where we find the logical sequence of, of this narrative. Because it's worthless to be reminded of a lesson from the past if we feel free to selectively add or take away whatever we want. That is what we call cherry-picking, right? Like where we cherry pick from the lesson is like like god did this god did that or i learned this or i learned that but you know what i don't i don't like that part because that is not important or because um 
or maybe sometimes not it be is because like that is not important but sometimes it's because that is very uncomfortable for us and we like to cherry pick things that are comfortable for us and the things that are not comfortable we don't pick them and a lot of people like to cherry pick their lessons and and God is telling them you cannot do this you cannot add or or remove or take away what I have taught you from the statutes from the judgments because these things are the entirely of the law and you are not at the liberty to cherry pick whatever you want that is what God is is telling them here and and we all suffer sometimes from the same syndrome Right, I think it was, I think it was the um, the French uh, scientist Pascal that said said something interesting, and he said this: "It is not incredulity that generates disobedience; rather, it is disobedience that generates incredulity." So what he is saying here is that many times it's not the fact that we don't believe that we start disobeying or sliding um, away from a spiritual life. It is the contrary. It is when we start disobeying and not regarding God's judgments and God's, God's statutes, that then the doubt starts coming into our minds. So primarily, it's not, it's not you not believing that leads you to disobedience. Is you disobeying that leads you to not believing. That's very interesting and very powerful at the same time. And that is precisely what Jesus um, tells in John chapter 4, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It says, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That is generalized, um, generalized disobedience of humanity. We choose exactly what is pleasing to us. And, and that is obvious, right? You are not going to choose what is displeasing. What, what, oh, why would you? We like to pick things that are easy, things that we don't, um, or things that don't bother us. And that leaves us just as we are without any real change. Now, the, war, the warning of adding or taking away echoes in multiple places in, in the Bible. In the, in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, says this, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things in which are written in this book. In the book of Matthew 15, 
we're not going to go there, but you can you can look it up uh, later. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 9. Jesus is calling out the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders. That they were like selectively choosing what they wanted to take and what they wanted to discard. And unfortunately, they, like for them, what they were discarding or not taking, not taking was um, were the commandments of God. And they were choosing the traditions over the commandments of God. That is equal to idolatry. Do you want to know why? Because when I indoctrinate my, my own opinion, I'm placing myself in the place of God. And therefore, I am making myself a God into myself. We have to be very careful and not to try to... to uh, not to indoctrinate our opinions. Just, just, um, just as an example, did did you know how many laws regarding the Sabbath the Jewish leaders implemented? There were more than one thousand five hundred and twenty-one laws regarding the Sabbath, and this is just the Sabbath. <laughs> you know, idolatry. Making ourselves or making themselves gods into themselves. Adding, when we add or we take away, express our human dissatisfaction with God's orders. That lesson, the lesson continues because now we're going to see a practical reality of, of the situation. And the practical is that what happened here is that Israel was reminded of the incident that happened at, uh, in Numbers 25, the book of Numbers chapter 25, with the god Baal, Baal Peor. And that god was the god of, of the Moabites. And Baal, among other gods, was considered like the god of sexual desire. That was Baal. The, the idolatry of Baal infected, and you can read the story later, but it infected the ten tribes of uh, the northern territory of Israel. And pretty much the sad thing is like this god, Baal Peor, became pretty much the official god of Israel, of the, of the, of the ten tribes, the northern ten tribes, which later on infected Judah. In the south as well. And this was, this was not cured. Or it was only cured. By the captivity, the, the captivity that they went to. Into, into Babylon. Ellen White uh, in Patriarchs and Prophets. She says something remarkable. Concerning about this. Uh, or talking about this story. Of Israel and, and, and Baal. It's, she says this. Balaam knew that the prosperity of Israel depended upon their obedience to God and that there was no way to cause this overthrow but by seducing them into sin. He now decided to secure Balaam's favor by advising the Moabites of the course to be uh, pursued to bring a curse upon Israel. 
he immediately returned to the land of Moab and laid his plans before the king. The Moabites themselves were convinced that so long as Israel remained true to God, he would be their shield. The plan uh, proposed by Balaam was to separate them from God by enticing them into idolatry. If they could be led to engage in the licentious worship of Balaam and Ashtaroth, their omnipotent protector would become their enemy and they would soon fall a prey to the fierce warlike nations around them. You know, the, the prosperity upon God's people depend on their obedience to him. The only way to overthrow them was to seduce them into sin. And maybe some, some might think or might be tempted to think that this is taking away our free will. Like if I want to be protected, um, if I want to have a good life, then I have to obey God. But first of all, that's a fallacy. Because in the Bible, those who are obedient to God, most of the time, good things don't happen to them. That's a fallacy that is called prosperity theology. Where you, you, you think you can put uh, God in, in your pocket. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm going give, to uh, give money to God. I'm going to pay my tithes and offerings in order to God to bless me more. That's a fallacy. Because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach prosperity theology. But the good thing is that not all were corrupted in the story of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's read uh, now Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But, but you who held fast to the Lord, your, to the Lord your God, are alive today, every one of you. Friends, life and death, opposites that become so evident in the life of those who serve and in those who do not serve God. Friends, what Moses, we can see very clear in this story that what Moses is telling the children of Israel in the whole context is that they are not really fighting for victory because they already began the journey with the victory guaranteed in God. God was their shield. And they needed that shield. Israel was the weakest of the nations. And then we, we, we come to, to verses 5 to 9 in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Where it says, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments. Just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statues and say, Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near 
to it. I will repeat that phrase again. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it? As the Lord, as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such status and righteous and, and righteous judgments as are in all these law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and delight and delightly keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to the children and your grand your grandchildren. Friends, we see God's dream for Israel that they would live in his statues, that they would exemplify his judgments, and that the nations around them, they would see that the na that nation of Israel was different, that they were special, not because of anything from, from themselves, but because they were so close to their God. Because it literally says, for what nation is there that has God so near to it? God's people were meant to be known because God was near them, because God was close to them. That was God's dream. And it, it didn't have to go down the way it went. But there was also a, a warning at the end. And they were called not to forget that they had the, the things that they have witnessed in their story. Ellen White comments and 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 she says, um, one of one of the most most oh, one of the most remarkable uh, quotes that I really like. She says, "We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has has led us in His teachings in our past history." Friends, don't forget the things God had done in your life. Allow God to fulfill his dream in your life and allow the world to look at you and the world can say, for what great people is these that have God so close to them? May God bless you in the study of the Bible and not only in the understanding of his word, not only in applying his word, but in sharing his word with others as well. May God bless you. And let's let's close this, this study with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the lessons we can we can take from, from your word. Father, help us never to forget the things you have done in the past in our lives. Lord, help us to, to have you so close to us that other people can see that we are special people that you live among us, and Father, that they can be attracted as well to that, that God that is loving, patient, kind, and that forgives sins. Father, make these a reality into our lives, and we pray and ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.